Okay. Hi everyone, my name is Misty and this is my podcast, Mermaid on Land. Mermaid on Land came about in a lot of prayer and a lot of thinking and processing about what I wanted to accomplish and, and my goal in creating this platform for people like myself as well as my peers and any other person that may have any perceived limitation. Um, so I wanted to create a podcast to give a spotlight or get rid of the perceived stigma of that people might have with people with disabilities. So on my podcast today, I have Amy Stewart. Hi, Amy. Hi. Thank you so much for coming today. Um, I really appreciate this. Um, Amy is a really good dear friend of mine and we've known each other for how long? Oh my goodness. We maybe 2017 or 2016. Maybe towards the end of 2016, because it was like after my transplant, so. Okay. Um, so this is actually my very first podcast episode, so, um, I just want to kind of, I want to give you the opportunity to share your story with as much or as little as you're comfortable in sharing. And then I kind of want to get to know you, and I want, I mean, I know you as a person. We we met via Twitter. Um, we're both yeah. mutual fans of the Backstreet Boys, as well as we are very strong in our faith. <laughs> so we combined the two, and we cultivated a very strong friendship. Amy is like a best friend of mine. She might as well be family. Um, oh, thank you. We're... we're um, we're very close, and um, so I very, I very much value her friendship. And yeah, so Amy, start off yeah. by I guess sharing a little bit about you and and the struggles that you deal with. Okay, um, I figured I might as well start in the beginning. I will try to not make it, not to talk for very long about it because it is a very long story. But I will just give you, like, bits and pieces of it. Okay. Um, in 1983, about three months after I was born, um, my kidneys shut down. I was born with a rare condition called hypoxaluria. And what it means is my body cannot, um, get rid of oxalate crystals, which is in everything you eat and drink. Okay? Instead of, you know, getting rid of them in my body like normal people do, um, they build it, they build up and they build up hard crystals, um, which destroys your kidney first. Back then in 1980s, they didn't know much about this. Um, all they knew was that to have a kidney transplant, that was it. Mm-hmm. They didn't really know much about it. passed away because of this horrible thing. 
and um, there are two types. I can't remember exactly what type I had, but I know I had the infantile type, so I don't know if that's type one or type two. Okay. Um, but um, my kidneys end up failing. Um, my dad gave me his kidney first. Um, I think it was in a matter of 24 hours to a week that the disorder automatically, the crystals ate that kidney too and basically destroyed it. Um, then when I was two, my mom gave me her kidney and I had her kidney all the way up to, till I was like, I think 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, if a child is born with this, um, if they make it, I think to your six months or to your first birthday, they automatically get a liver and kidney transplant. And the reason why they found out it's not in the kidney is because we're missing an enzyme in our liver that helps break down oxalates. And because we're missing this, um, this enzyme, the first place it goes to is to attack the kidney. Then it'll start attacking other parts of your body. Um, so in 2016, after when I went back in the kidney failure, um, when I was 30, I think probably about, it was, I went in kidney failure probably about a, a week after my son turned a year old. And so I went on dialysis, did that whole thing and everything and stuff. And then in 2016, I had my third kidney transplant, but my first liver transplant. And because I had a liver transplant, I no longer had the disorder. I still have old crystals still in my body, but I'm not producing any new ones. Um, Unfortunately, because of a lot of things, because of the crystals, um, I think it was in 2014 or 2013, um, the crystals attacked my bloodstream and they shut off my circulation from my arm to my leg. Um, I was basically about to die. They didn't know what they were gonna do. Um, They, doctor, thank God for Dr. Rose and everything, he did a lot of research and he, um, he found a drug that could be used to open up circulation. Um, So he managed to say, however, I have a below knee amputation on my right and a half a foot on my left. And, um, so, but it's better than not being here to raise my son. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much a, there's a lot more details than that, but, um, if you, if you want to learn more about what I went through, especially from my mother's perspective, my mom has a book out on Amazon.com called Saving Amy. And um, my mom decided to write a book about it. About The first part is all about when I was little and all the struggles that she had at that time. And then about what I went through back in 2016. Yeah, that's... Wow. Now, I've known you for a, a while, as we mentioned earlier, and I know a little bit about your story, but I don't really know on a personal level. We shared about how you and I have a mutual um, faith. Um, we're both Christians. We both believe in God. 
did any of yeah. this at all um, affect your faith in a positive way or a negative way? Or um, I always had faith from I always had faith in God. My especially with my parents. My mom always never let me believe that I couldn't do anything. Um, and that, you know, all things are possible through Christ. When I went through the 2013-2016 um, dialysis, that was, um, that was like six days of dialysis. And that was like four or five hours, um, depending on being on dialysis all day. Um, I had my moments. I did like anybody else would. Mm -hmm. I think I did really good with the dialysis and doing fine with that. But once I lost my leg and my foot, I went to a deep depression. Um, I think it was due to the fact that, okay, I can get through dialysis. I know that's taken care of. Get a liver and kidney transplant. But how do I take care of things with only... I have a foot and a blown knee amputation. Mm-hmm. How do I get through this? Mm-hmm. And my pastor, Pastor um, Pastor Mark um, Owen at Faith Victory Church um, in Indiana, he gave me a CD to listen to every night of Keith Moore. Um, it was songs that Keith Moore sings about trusting God and um, just the every just stuff that I really needed at that moment mm-hmm. and everything and I was listening to that CD at night I slept most of the day when I was on dialysis because dialysis drains you or anybody who's on dialysis you know what I'm talking about it perfectly drains mm-hmm. you um but so I slept most of the time um everything but at night I would be awake so you know I listened to that CD a lot um and I also had a verse that um, we went to that God put in my heart um, was um, it's been a while since I looked it up and I, but it was um, Philippians uh, 1 yeah, Philippians 1 6 I have it highlighted and it says, I am convinced and that he who begins a good work in you will continue until the days of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting it, bringing it to full completion in you, which meant that I was not done yet, no matter what it was. And, you know, I, my... I managed to get out of that whole pity party and and figure out how I was going to do this. That's um, awesome. That's such a testament and, of faith, and I think that a lot of people can learn. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people think that, you know, when they see me and they meet me, they're like, oh, you're so positive and you're so good. You, no wonder you got through this. Um, during 2013, 2016, you wouldn't have recognized me. I was really struggling. Um, it sometimes it would just sometimes I had to take it not day by day but sometimes hour by hour even mm-hmm. sometimes minute by minute um, because you're constantly thinking about your life about your husband who 
you know, like your child, you know, what, what all you want to do with your life and you, you know, you have other people taking care of your child right now and you can't. So, you know, there was, those were a lot of tough moments that both me and my husband had to deal with. One of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about, because I know for me and I, um, I can kind of understand from a disability standpoint that sometimes you have to kind of, you know, when you're running your race with endurance, that's in the Bible to run your race with endurance. And um, oftentimes when things get in the way, obstacles get in the way and um, you're having to go your course and go, you know, run the race, but then something happens and you have to recalibrate you know I keep hearing the word recalibrate <laughs> and you have to kind of get up again and try again and you know um yeah go again new and create a new normal price. you know yeah yeah, yeah With, I go ahead. I did I, I mean I, I did have my moment but there was never there was where I thought I need to quit it was more like I just wanted this to be done. Mm-hmm. Thought, even though there were passing around that I could pass away from this, I never once thought that. I never, you know, believed that. I knew I was going to get out of this, and I knew God was going to bring me out of this. I just didn't know when or how. And I think that's the biggest thing is that to have, you know, is to have patience. God has the perfect time. Mm-hmm. He always does. Yeah. And he did. He had the exact perfect timing because I was running out of time with my, um, with the catheter in my chest. Had a catheter in my chest and um, they were concerned that they were going to have to change it and everything again. And I already had a bunch of scar tissue. And we got the call on March 10th. Yeah, March 10th saying that they had a liver and kidney kidney for me from the same donor. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, we went all the way to Indianapolis IU, and um, at first the nurse was like, well, we may, it depends on what the organs look like, and sometimes people get sent home, and both me and my mom's like, no, I'm not getting sent home. This is done and over with. My life would get better from that point on. Even the doctor, last thing I remember the doctor saying before he put um, put the medicine in me to get the knock me out, mm-hmm. um, he said, are you ready for your new life? And I was. And everything went perfect. Everything went perfect. Everything went great. And so. So the crystals, I want to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about the crystals that you were talking about that affected yeah. your kidneys and your liver. Did it also affect other things in your life besides your cutting off circulation to my almost my whole body? Mm-hmm. Um, because of um, when I was little, because I ended up with um, all that I went through, my immune system being compromised, I ended up with CMV when I was a baby. So I lost some of my hearing. And um, then I'm also the. I also have tons of scar tissues from the crystals being in my eyes. I make no more crystals, so I don't have any left in my eyesight. But I'm left with scar tissue, which leads me not to be able to drive because there's no, there's 
no way of fixing those scar tissues. Um, once they're there, they're there. And so I'm part, partly blind in my right eye. Wow. It, um, just the, the, the uh, it's like the central vision. I mean, seriously, ever since I had to transplant my better in my left eye, that is amazing. Um, you know, I can read regular books now. It makes me so thrilled. Usually, they have to be big printed, and I can just read a regular normal size book. So. That's so great. I'm so glad to to know that it's healing up. But you know, I there's a lot that I still don't know about you, even though we've known each other for years. Um, and so some of this stuff that I'm learning about now is really surprising and just amazes me that you have not wavered in your faith and your tenacity and your, um, you know, you still, your mom, um, and you're married and, you know, life didn't stop, um, with your disability. And that's just really, really cool. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about your family? Uh, yeah, I have, um, I'm married to Matthew Stewart. I've been married to him since 2009. Um, we met in 2007, um, but we got married in 2009, and then our son was born in 2012, uh, Joshua, he's eight years old, kind of my little wild boy, but, but he's a little boy at the same time, because I wasn't supposed to have any children, I wasn't even expected to have kids, and if I was, even if I did get pregnant, it would probably be danger to me or to Joshua, which it wasn't. I, I knew, I, you know, the one thing that I've always done is I always try to find a scripture to hold mm-hmm. on to and to speak that scripture over my life to have, um, let me through. Because, I mean, the pregnancy went really great. They said I wasn't gonna, they never had a person that had a kidney transplant um, past 30 weeks. Normally they develop something and they, they have to do C-section or they have to, you know, get the baby out real quick, you know. Um, but I beat it to 36 weeks and he was in perfect health. I did develop a little pre-cramptia, but everything went back to normal. Um, after they expected him to be born with breathing problems, all sorts of problems, but he was perfect. Um, He's a, he's a really unique, special little boy, and I haven't actually physically met him, but we've face-chatted, and we've FaceTimed, or, you know, whatever you want to call that, <laughs> and um, he's just a really sweet kid, so you're doing a wonderful job. Are you there? Hello? Amy, did I lose you? Hello? Hello. Oh, it worked. You having some technical difficulties? Yes. Well, that's okay. Um, <laughs> when we last spoke, um, where it cut off, for those of you that are listening at this point in time, this podcast that Amy and I 
have been working on. Uh, we've ran into a lot of technical issues, a lot of re-recording, um, and that all of that. So, um, we're going to pick up right where we left off, and we were talking about your son, Josh, and how we have never met in person, him and I, but I've talked to him on the phone, and he's a sweet little kid, and that's where the podcast cut off, and we did not capture the last bit of our conversation, so now we are finalizing the last little bit and hoping that this works. <laughs> so, <Hopefully. laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for your patience with me while I figure all of this out. I really appreciate it. It's invaluable. I know that you have a lot going on. You're a homeschool teacher and you deal with it quite a lot, so... I really appreciate this. No problem. I I appreciate you wanting me to do this. <laughs> no problem. Well, okay. So, I wanted to go over a few things with you. Um, I know we had talked about your faith in God. Um, you and I both believe we have a strong faith and a strong conviction. And, um... Um... I wanted to talk to you about your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. And can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, my dreams and goals. Um, gosh. Um, I have a certain dream that's in the work that I'm hoping will come through and eventually I'll talk about that as um, it gets closer. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, the other one that I the goal that I would like to get to is um, I think just being able to go back to the gym and work out. Um, I haven't been able to do that with my half a foot because it tends to um, break open easily it's like we'll create a wound and everything um we're finally actually now getting it completely healed so um i'm hoping i can go back to the gym one day yeah me, my husband used to do that a lot before um when joshua was just a baby mm-hmm. but um we hadn't done that since the whole mess with me being on dialysis and all that other stuff but um but, one um, thing that you just mentioned that i've um kind of forgot about but you reminded me I know you and I have talked about phantom pain yeah do you want to share a little bit about that um yeah phantom pain and when you're missing a limb most people will know this who's missing a limb um whether it's their arm or their leg with me um I don't really have much phantom pain like um in my I think here in my right leg, due to the fact I do have a blow to knee amputation um, on the right, but like it's really weird. I, I can still move my toes, I don't have any, but I can still feel them. And when they itch, there's nothing there to itch, there's nothing there to scratch. Um, but I, I will feel the itching, and usually, if it doesn't go away, I have to take Benadryl. Um, I think the worst phantom pain that I, I get is probably in my half foot it is where it's like um, 
almost like you being shocked. Um, almost like when you touch something and it kind of shocks you for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I get in my foot. Only it's like 10 times magnified. Um, but that's the type of phantom pain that I deal with. There are some people who have no phantom pain. There's other people who have like severe, even worse than mine type of phantom pain. Um, you just learn to live with it. Um, I'm thankful that I don't have the worst case of it because those people, it's like it's a lot harder for them to do um, more things because they're constantly um, and everything. Whereas I just have it occasionally. I was in cold today and when I was in cold, my I my foot started. I caught spasming mm-hmm. because it does. It's like all the nerves and everything goes off, and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, everything it only lasts like just as quickly as it comes, it, it goes away. So wow. it's not the it's not the most pleasant thing in the world, but it beats being on dialysis seven days a week, six hours a day. Yeah, we. I don't think we really touched on the dialysis portion of that. That took a lot of your time in your it life. It did. It did. Um, when I went into complete kidney failure, it started out just because of the disorder that I had, the hypochloria. Um, you had to be on dialysis a lot and so many hours. Um, so mine was supposed to be six hours a day, seven days a week. However, both me and my mom and my husband decided we're not doing Sunday. That's going to be our day and everything. Mm-hmm. One day out of the week, it's not going to hurt me. Plus, I need to spend time with my family and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't remember... I don't really remember, I think, the hardest part about it, about that time, is I have hardly any memory of my son being two or three. I look at pictures of him, and I don't recall any of that. I watch old videos of him that I recorded, and I don't recall them and stuff. So there's like a huge missing gap between my child being two and three that I don't remember. Um, and a lot of it has to do with that. I, when you're when you're on dialysis constantly, your blood is coming out and going back in you. It's cleaning your blood, and the thing is, mine was every day, so I could not stay warm for nothing. I was always cold, even during the summer. I'd be wearing like long sleeves and possibly a jacket, you know, because um, <laughs> I was so cold. I never, I didn't, I I lost that heat because I couldn't make it because I was constantly on dialysis. And everything. Um, but, um, so my mom did it. There's no clinic that will do every single day for that many hours. So I moved in so with your my mom. So your mom helped and... you with your dialysis at home? Yeah. We did it at um, home. I moved in with my mother in the beginning. It was just me and Joshua that moved in. Matt had to stay back in Ohio because he just started a new job and we needed the insurance. <laughs> Um, so that's what we, we did. And then when I lost my feet back in 2013, I could not, I could not take care of Joshua and it wasn't fair for him. Um, 
it wasn't fair for my mom because my mom already had at that time an eight-year-old and a two-year-old she was caring for too. Mm-hmm. Um, my two little sisters and I wanted Joshua had stability, so I sent him to go live with his dad, who then moved in with his parents because we couldn't afford the apartment anymore. Um, so we basically put everything in storage, and Matt uh, moved in with his parents. I moved. I was moved in with my parents, and um, for about three years, um, my in-laws, my wonderful in-laws. Uh, help raise Joshua. They took care of him. They changed their schedules, their work schedules, as much as they could, so we didn't have to send them anywhere. Um, in the beginning, my mother-in-law actually started homeschooling Joshua since I I couldn't do it. So she, she helped do it. I mean, we had a lot of help and a lot of support. I don't think it... Um, you know, everybody says that, you know, a marriage, it does take two people, you know, mm-hmm. to hold it together, but it also takes the whole family, too, to come by you and giving you support through this, the whole mess, you know, one where you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, most days. And uh, um, it truly takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it did with Joshua too. Um, and now it's just, it's nice being at home and um, being a family. I know I still have my difficulties with my walking and with my half a foot most times, but really it's nothing compared to what I've been through, um, especially losing my legs and stuff. Um, dialysis was hard, but. Not as much as losing my legs. I mean, that was like somebody dying. <laughs> well, me. yeah, you kind of have to recalibrate everything you know, and you have to relearn yeah. a lot. Yeah, and you and your body, your your feet, and your your you know every part of your body is a part of you. So if you lose that, you kind of lose a sense of self. I mean, yeah, I imagine that's how that is. It it, it was I um you because I thought about how do I take care of my son how do I do this how do I do that how do I go back to caring for other people's kids this is never going to happen um and I figured it out and 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 really um it was kind of when I moved in with my in-laws after I got better and everything I still don't think I had like my prosthetics just yet like my permanent one. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of walking on my knees. And I actually ended up watching my one-year-old niece at that time. My sister-in-law, um, originally my father-in-law was watching uh, watching her, but he had to start working overtime. So he asked if it's okay if I would be wanting to watch, watch my niece, who was one at the time. So it was more like sink or swim at a point and it was the greatest thing ever I my need helped build my strength and taught me that I can do this I can figure things out it may be tough it was tough in the beginning but now I got everything taken care of and how to figure out stuff and 
and how to ask for help too when I need it and stuff. Okay. You know, I, I, know, I know my limits. <laughs> I know what I can and can't do at this point. And I think there's a lot of power in knowing your limits too and also not depending on people too much because for me personally I sometimes can depend on people too much. I live alone and so when I get around people I tend to kind of depend on them because it's easier sometimes. Once in a while it's okay to ask for help and it's okay yeah. to do things but also not depending on other people and I think it's a it's a it's true what, what you're saying about watching your niece and kind of being thrown thrown in like, okay, there you go. Like, it gives you the opportunity to test your limits and your limitations and also it's kind of surprise yourself. Like, oh, I can do this and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it was, was a lot. It, it was like, wait a minute, this isn't different other than the fact that I have to do stuff on my knees and it was no different, you know. Than what I how I normally would take care of a kid, you know, um, but I learned that it took me a while to learn that, you know, it took me a while to, um, I know that, and, and I intend to do this too. When when I especially when I'm in Indiana, um, I don't like to do. I I basically I basically let my sister just push me around in the wheelchair. I I take the wheelchair a lot because. One, with the fact that I'm still healing up from my foot, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, there I intend to be more dependent going out. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think my sister don't mind. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I you know, I, I kind of can relate to that, too. Because I, I mentioned I, I live alone. I'm independent. But, you know, when I get around people, it's easier to just have people push me. And, you know, um. And, and, you know, people don't mind. It is easier. It's also interesting, too, though. I don't know if you can relate to this at all. But when you are around someone new and they don't really know you, they are kind of, they don't want to watch you struggle. But they also don't want to offend you and ask, like, hey, do you want my help? How, How would, how do you think is the best way to approach something in that situation? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I had people... I don't care if people ask, I, I mean, I have people ask me in the store, you know, um, do you need help? I think that's the best thing to say is, you know, do you need help? Mm-hmm. And, and also go for- by that instead of saying, I mean, I know it's more polite or probably to say, can I help you? But I, I think I kind of like better do, do you need help? Everything. Cause that gives you the chance to say yes or no and stuff. If you need help or not. Yeah, I, I can get that perspective. I understand that perspective. Um, what are What is something that you would tell your younger self? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be prepared. <laughs> if I could have prepared myself for this, it probably would be a lot. No, no it's, a, it's totally It okay. would still be hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably never never uh don't give up you know mm-hmm. you know there's you know even though you feel like it at times yeah i did but um there's no other there's no other way to go i mean i had a son i had a husband i wanted a future there was no giving up on that for nothing 
Well, that's, I mean, that's really, really great. That's a great testament to who you are as a person. And you've really accomplished a lot and overcome a lot. And I'm really grateful to know you and that you're one of my best friends. And Well, thank you. I'm just really blown away by your your um, resilient spirit. And you've taught me a lot. And I know that this uh, first podcast episode, I think people will be just completely blown away by you and your strength and your tenacity and your willingness to keep going. And so I'm truly honored to have you on as my first official guest. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that you, that I get that chance to be the first one. So kind, of really kind of nerve-wracking, though. I hope people like my story. I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, really quickly, go ahead and mention your book, your mom's book, one more time and where they can find it. Okay. Um, my mom wrote a book. Um, her name is Janice Lawson, and she wrote a book called Saving Amy. Um, it basically starts from, you know, the time I was born until now to what all that we've been through and on her perspective everything as a mother mm-hmm. um but you can find it on make sure i get this right www.michaellawsonsministry.com okay. um and um you can i'm sure you'll put up a link for it um I will. if you go to if you go to amazon though um you can find it on Amazon, but my husband realized it that you have to type in both the book and um, my mom's name on it to find it. Okay. I will send links to both of that when I post the podcast episode and mm-hmm. also in the description of the podcast um, so that people can have it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you really, really quickly. Um, and it's been great having you on today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was great telling a little bit about my my story, my testimony, and where I've been in life. You know, yeah. So I hope people. I hope people enjoy it. I'm sure they will. Thank you so much, Amy. No problem. Okay. Bye. Bye.